Good morning, everyone. It is so good to be with you. Um, as Jared said, I'm Don, or just, just Dad, as he would say, granddad to, to the, some of the special grandchildren in this place. Always good to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. I love watching what God is doing in this place, in this church, in you and through you. And I love, uh, I love your pastor, actually, even, and have for a while. So um, I just, uh, I'm excited to be a part of this series on, on disciple, what that means, what that looks like. So uh, here we go. Online a while back, they did a, a little survey on what are some of the most powerful logos in the world? What are the most memorable and compelling logos that we have? So what stuff that kind of just sticks with you and makes you say, you know, not only do I understand, I want to be, I want part of that. I want to be a part of that. So see how well they've done. Here's the first one. You, you recognize that one? The swoosh, the, the Nike swoosh. Back in the 70s, there was a student, graphic art student who came up with that working for $2 an hour. So for about 35 bucks, that's, Nike got that. Phil Knight said, uh, it doesn't, I don't really know if I like it that well, it might grow on me. Yeah, you think, it kind of grew pretty well. Here's the next one, Amazon. If it had the whole word out Amazon, you would see that they're, they're from the A to the Z is that little curvy thing, which means we, we deliver everything from A to Z with a smile. So you, you go through Amazon, you will smile. This I know the people that own Amazon, they smile a lot. That's a <laughs> pretty good thing. Next one, FedEx. I only put this because I think it's kind of interesting because their whole thing is about if you need it fast, you know, so between the E and the X, there's an arrow that signifies fast and direct and you see that, you ever see that little arrow? I never, I never knew that before, I think that's kind of, Next one. This one's warm. This warms my heart <laughs> in many ways. When I was a junior in high school, I got a job at Baskin Robbins for two years. It was a great job. We got 10 cents more than, than um, the uh, basic wage of the day, which was $1.75. We made $1.85 and all the ice cream you could eat. It's a great thing. And people would say, don't you get sick of ice cream? No. You know why? They have 31 flavors. <laughs> 31 flavors that wrap around and around and around, always 31 different. And they have 31 in the middle of that little logo so that you can see, oh, it's a 31, it's 30 wonderful ice cream place to be. Next one. You recognize that? <laughs> Business Insider said that this is the most recognizable logo in the world. In the world. It tells the whole world, food, cheap, it's the same everywhere. You may not want to admit it, good. <laughs> like one comedian says, everybody loves McDonald's, nobody wants to admit that they love McDonald's. But it's a, whenever I would travel out of town, out of, out of the country, I mean, I would always look for McDonald's as a landmark. If I got lost anywhere else, if I could find the Golden Arches, I, I could find a taxi guy that would somewhere take me to the McDonald's and I'd be okay. It's, it's the most recognized logo. So if we're going to talk about lo what, something that's memorable, that just speaks the message, that, that just grabs your heart, 
If we're going to talk about Christianity, we're going to talk about God's kingdom, we're going to talk about what God's doing, what would be the logo that you would say, this, this signifies Christianity? It'd probably look something like that, wouldn't it? The cross. Yeah. Kind of an interesting logo when you think about it. This, which has now become so dear to us, people wear it around their, their neck and hanging from their ears and on their T-shirts and on our cars. This instrument of death. In those days when people see the cross, it was horrible. Like, like today, if, if we want to walk around with a bullet, He's like, you know, why are you wearing that? Well, instrument of death. Gas chamber around my neck. But this has become something because God, through Jesus, has redeemed the most horrific thing, the cross that was used to kill criminals, into the most beautiful thing that we hang on today. But I wonder. I mean, I'm I'm sure in God's grand economy, I'm sure he knew what he was doing when he came up with this is going to be a good a sign of the cross, a good that'll go for thousands of years. But I wonder if he had something else in mind. If there's something that's memorable, if there's something that grabs you, if there's something that just says, God, Jesus, loves me, made a difference, makes a difference, can make a difference in you, God's kingdom. There's just an, another logo that might be able to be used that every time you see that, you would go, ah, wow, I want some of that. Oh, wow, I feel, I feel compelled with that logo. If there is a, another such logo, and I think there is, if you took your little phone out and did a selfie, that would be it. Or if you took a mirror and you looked in it, that would be it. That if, that if God could use anything to show this world about who he is and what he wants to do, he wants you to be the one that triggers people right into his presence, right into, into to the compelling them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce an old word to you that uh, we don't use much. It's in, it's in the government realm and that kind of stuff. The word is ambassador. We don't use that a lot. It used to be used a whole lot more. In fact, I hate to admit this, but when I was in elementary school, my dad drove a Rambler Ambassador. (laughs) He loved Rambler. And now if you're young, you're going, Rambler? What is that? I I don't even know what Ambassador meant back in those days. I thought what it meant was drop me off about a block from school and let me walk. (laughs) Because everybody with their Chevys and Fords and they're talking about, you know, how fast they're car. I come to school in a Rambler ambassador. But what the word ambassador means is a, an official or dignitary that is chosen by a king, by a president, by a government of some kind to represent that country in a foreign land. So that everywhere that ambassador goes, they, they represent the values and the, the, the belief system and the the DNA of that, of that country. Wouldn't that be kind of a cool job to be an ambassador? I mean, just think about it. If you could be an ambassador anywhere in the world, where would you love to be an ambassador to? Where would you love to have that? You ever thought about that? You, what comes to your mind right now? Anybody, you can talk in church. What, where would you like to be an ambassador if you could do that? Hawaii? Okay. <laughs> 
a country, Kevin. You can tell you're from England. You're kind of the ambassador to America as it is, but where else? The Czech Republic, that's interesting, okay. Somebody else? Greece? New Zealand. Where was it? Thailand. Thailand, okay. All right. Where? Ah, Colombia. Yeah. Costa Rica, I think. would. I don't ever been to Colombia. I think I'd like to be to Costa Rica. So let's take, let's take Thailand. So you're going to be an ambassador to Thailand. Here'd be your three basic responsibilities. To represent. You're going to be a representative. So you are going to represent the king, the president, in this case the president. You're going to repre represent the United States. You're going to represent our values. You're going to represent our way of life and our, our, our way of living, our, our sense of government. You're going to represent. Secondly, you're going to build relationships. So you're going to go there and you're going to, you're going to get involved with the people, try to understand them, listen to them, listen to who they are, what they're all about, and try to under, understand them, build a bridge to them with relationships. And then at, after the, the relationships are built, if there's, an, if there's an issue, if there's a problem, if there's a need for it, you're going to become a person of reconciliation. You're going to go there to reconcile that. You're going to help bridge the misunderstanding and, and try to, to bring the, the countries together, the, the governments together, the leaders together, whatever, and get that all solved out. So you're going you're gonna to represent, you're going to build relationships, and you're going you're gonna to be a, a person of reconciliation. I did a little studying on, on some ambassadors. That perhaps the, the, the most famous and the greatest ambassador in the history of the United States <laughs> guy named Benjamin Franklin. Um, I've patterned my hairline a little bit after him, but um, <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, uh, six months after the, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, was sent to France to be an ambassador. Now, back in those days, there was two major world powers, Britain and, and France, and they didn't like each other. Kevin, I don't know if they, did they like each other yet? No, okay, so, <laughs> but, but they, were, they were always trying to, to one up one another, and, and they were, um, it's kind of like the United States and the Soviet Union. There's just two rivals. They both were monarchs, but they looked at government completely different. But as you know, during that time, we were breaking away from Britain, and so the enemy of my enemy becomes my friend. And, and the leaders of, in America at that time decided we need to get France on our side if we're going to be able to win this Revolutionary War thing. So. We need to send somebody, we need a group of people that will go to France and win them over to our side. And Benjamin Franklin raised his hands, I'll, I'll go, I'll go. And so off he went. And he, he, he was, they say he was the most um, horribly dressed politician of the time. He was just a slob with the way he dressed. And he, uh, he went there, and he didn't live in Paris, but he lived in a small little town, Passy. Some, my French is not good, but something like that. And, um, and he started to learn French. And in a short time, a brilliant man, he learned French. And he started to go among the people. And they, they loved him. They loved his humor. They loved that he, he took time to learn their language. They loved the way he thought, the questions he asked, what he was trying to do. And he learned the art of persuasion, the French art of persuasion, so that in their own language, he persuaded the French to jump on board with, with the United States, to finance and to fight in the Revolutionary War. And history records that if it wasn't for Benjamin Franklin, we probably would have never won the, 
the Revolutionary War. Kevin, we, we won the Revolutionary War. I didn't know if you knew that or not. But <laughs> without him, it would never. When he died, they say that he was, um, his life was celebrated more in France even than it was in the United States. And they say that even today, he's, he's thought of as, as, as a great man. In fact, they'll say, your greatest president ever, the greatest president in the United States was Ben Franklin. He was never president, but that's what they thought of him. That's how, that's how great. He was an ambassador at, at the best. Now, when, when Paul was writing to this city in Corinth, he writes some very special words to a, a small little church that met in the epicenter of that town. And in Corinth, in many ways, it was a little bit like Phoenix. It was, it was bustling, commerce. The economy was booming. People were coming from all over the world to live there and to do business there and to travel. But it was, it was starting to, to blink on more of um, Las Vegas. There was a lot of garbage going on. There was a lot of junk. There was a lot of perversion and brokenness that was going on. And here he had this fast-growing, fast-moving, hustling, bustling city in this little itty-bitty house church, basically, in Corinth. And Paul starts to, to address them. If you're going to be followers of Jesus... You're going to be disciples of, of Jesus. Here's what we need to do. And it's interesting to me that he never says, you know, go hide somewhere in the corner because this, is, this city is crazy. He starts to lay out some things to them that makes all the difference in the world that I think if Paul were here today, he would say the same thing to us. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. The, the, it's also up, up on the screen, 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. I'm going to read out the New, New Living Translation. Verse 17 says this, <clears throat> this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. I, li I like the one verse that says, behold, you're now a new creature, you're a new person. All that old stuff, gone. So Paul's looking at these, at these new Christians, brand new, they were pagans just months ago, and now they're, they're hey, we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to be a disciple of Jesus. Recognize this. Your old life is past. All the garbage, all the brokenness, all the pain, all that, all the sin, it's gone. And new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. The word used and used later on here, the same word, reconciled. All this is a gift because God reconciled us unto himself through Jesus. When Jesus came on the cross, brought us into, into, in relationship with him. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. God has reconciled us to him. God has given us the task to reconcile others to him. Verse 19, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. Do you let that sink in for a minute? Aren't you glad that God, through Christ, no longer wants to count your sin against you? I mean, if he wanted to, I know some of you. The list is long. Mine's even longer. He doesn't want to count it against us. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. 
We speak for Christ. And we plead, come back to God. We are his ambassadors. We are those who are to represent. We are those who are to build relationships. We are those who are, are there to, to, to reconcile. It's the, not only the ministry of, of, of reconciliation, the, the message of reconciliation. Here's, God, here's Paul's mind as he's thinking this. I'll tell you what. We can't let the grace of God stop with us. That's what Paul's saying. Do you realize what God's done for you? He's no longer holding sin against you. All your stuff is gone. You're a new creature. You're a new person. Many times in the same book, he says, you're citizens of heaven. He says, if you can just understand your identity, you're a disciple, you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're a citizen of heaven. Most of us, our identity is where, where we live. We, we're a, we live in the United States of America, and so I'm an American. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a conglomeration of all this stuff, of how much money I make, and where my zip code is, and what team I'm going to root for on Super Bowl Sunday, and what's, what's, um, what people think of me, and, and how much my bank account and IRA. I mean, we, we have all these identity things, and, and, and Paul says, wait, 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 no, 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 no. That's a different kingdom. That's a citizen of this world. But if that's your identity, it's going to fall short. Your identity is of heaven. You're a new person now. So it's different. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be an ambassador. That means there's a purpose for you. That means grace doesn't stop there, but it flows through you. A river, as long as it's flowing, a river, as long as it's continuing, is fresh and clear and clean, but you stop it up, it gets dirty and nasty and bugs and mosquitoes and all kinds of stuff. Don't let grace be plugged up in you. Don't let it stop with you. But being an ambassador, there's a purpose for your life now. And a purpose bigger than anything else that you can imagine if your identity is on this earth. Your purpose is now as a citizen of heaven, as this new person. So everywhere you go, there's this purpose. You represent Christ. When you go to the office, you're an ambassador representing Jesus. When you go to the open, you're still an ambassador for Jesus. When you talk to somebody, when you're at a restaurant, when you're, when you're dealing with your kids, whatever, you're, you're, you're always representing. You're always representing. An ambassador never has a day off. An ambassador never says, as you know, I'm, there, I'm an ambassador to Thailand. I'm taking Friday off, and I'm going to speak just what I think. You know, I'm going to give my opinion. No, you're, you give the opinion of the sovereign kingdom that you're representing. You give, a, you give the, the opinion of, of what's higher than you and what's bigger than you. You're representing them every step of the way. You're building relationships, Paul would say. Love is a big thing. This is not something new to these people. They've heard Jesus talk about it. They've heard it in the teachings of Jesus. It shouldn't be new to us that if you're going to represent the kingdom of God, you're going to have to build relationships to the most important value in the kingdom of God, and that's people. We're not here to build buildings. We're not here to build bank accounts. We're not here to build whatever you want to build. We're here to build people. And so relationships are everything. And the, the New Testament church, that early church, 
That was the, the distinctive of them. They treated people different than anyone else. They treated women better. They treated children better. They treated the down and out better. They treated the prisoners better, the slaves better. They loved them. They, they built them up in their relationship. And if we're going to be ambassadors, Paul would say, it's all about relationships. It's about people. Don't go to heaven by yourself, Paul would say. Take somebody with you. Build into somebody. Invest into somebody. That, that this ministry of reconciliation continues, doesn't stop with you. And he would say, this reconciliation, it's a message. It's a message that the story of God through Jesus Christ, through the cross, coming and wiping away your sins and no longer holding that against you, and the grace that comes, and the peace that comes, and the joy that comes, and the hope that comes, and the life eternal that comes, all of that, that message, that story intersects your story, and now you have a story to tell. And how your story and God's story come together is where the power of this whole thing takes off. It's, it becomes the logo of God's kingdom. It becomes what, what compels people to Jesus. Wow, God did this? What do you mean? What does that look like? Well, let me tell you what it did in my life. Let me show you the difference. This is the way I was. This is my old self. Now this is the new self. Wow, look at so-and-so. I remember them when they were, but now look at them. And people start to see your life and start to be triggered to give glory to the, God, to the, to the kingdom of God and to God himself for what he's doing in your life as he continues to move. So that as he lays that all out, it's, it's kind of a, an amazing thing to me because we look at that and we go, ooh, I'm not so, I'm not so good at that. I'm not a real good ambassador 24-7. I'm a good ambassador like when I'm in church. I'm a good ambassador like even on the way to church. Depending on where I'm going to lunch, maybe even after church for a little while, you know, if, if there was like a good message or something. But yikes, yikes, that's tough. I mean, think about it. The times <laughs> I'm supposed to be representing God, oh, I get, my, I get in the way all the time. I mean, it hit me yesterday. We were watching uh, Ezra's basketball game. And um, what is he, seven, eight, six? <laughs> the team that he was playing was like 14. And um, they were all like head and shoulders above everyone. And they were beating the living tar out of Ezra's team and Lincoln and, you know, Chase and all, you know, they're just scoring at will, throwing it down, you know, hanging on the rim, <laughs> you know. And, and the coach's son was the worst on the other absolutely worst. And I wanted to go check his son's driver's license and make sure he was really <laughs> six or seven, but, and he, would, he just wouldn't pull him off. And so they, I mean, they were, they were continuing to steal the ball and swat the ball down and, you know, little Ez wanted to get a shot off and he got this eight foot guy climbing over him. <laughs> And I'm, I'm wanting to yell at this little kid, and, and Lori's going, don't yell at the kid. Let him shoot then. So I, if I can't yell at the kid, I'm yelling at the coach. And so the coach, I'm trying to get his attention in a subtle way. And I, when, they, when they steal the ball, I'm just going, I don't know if he could see me or not. Like, what's the matter with you? It's 85 to 2. 
put their hands in their pockets. What? And, and then all of a sudden I'm going, yeah, tomorrow I'm talking about being an ambassador for Christ. I better just calm down. I'm not sure six, seven, eight-year-olds is that big a deal. Anyway, they'll get over it. And come to find out, the coach goes to one of our other churches, which I'm going to see if I can help get him excommunicated. But <laughs> what would Jesus, it's, it's hard to go. But what if everywhere we went, everything we did, it was that little reminder. I, I'm not representing myself anymore. I'm a new creature. I'm a citizen of a different kingdom. And I'm an ambassador for God. I'm an ambassador for Christ. What would Jesus do is what we've asked in the past. It's not a bad question to ask. To build relationships. I'm going to invest in people. I'm going to give myself to building people up, to spending time. In, man, I, I mess that up all the time. I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I'm a pastor for 40 years. I, I enjoy doing what I'm doing right now, talking with you guys. But sometimes when I'm done, I'm done. When I go to lunch... I don't necessarily want to see you anymore. You know, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hear about your problems. I, don't, you know, I, just, I, want, I want to take a couple plays off, and I just want to rest for a little bit. And this reminds me, no, relationships are everything. It's everything. I, I've got to get over my own self because I, I'm an ambassador for this. This whole thing of reconciliation, I would rather just shut up. I'd rather be quiet. When Jared gave me this little subject to talk about it, it said, uh, empowering witness, active versus inactive. And um, in, the, in the book that, um, that he got that phrase from, I guess, it talks about the early church. They were active all the time in their witness. They were, they're constantly active. But today, in today's church, we are the most inactive people when it comes to that as any. So we would say, I'm going to make a choice. Can I be a disciple of Jesus and be active as an ambassador? Or I can be a disciple of Jesus and be inactive as a disciple I'm, or as an ambassador. I'm just not going to say anything. I'm, it's easier to choose inactive. I'm gonna, the early church would look at us. Paul would look at us and go, excuse me? <laughs> What choice are you talking about there? Because I don't understand that choice. The early church would say, we didn't even know there was a choice. Paul called all of us to be ambassadors. He said, that's who we are. We're sent. That's, that's how the church advances. And we went, you know, we like, whoa, 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 whoa. God, through Jesus, gave us a thing called the Great Commission, go into the whole world. There's no qualifications there. In fact, Jesus, in one of his prayers in the 17th chapter of John, says, God, in the same way you sent me to this world, I send these people, I send my disciples to the world. Paul says, take the ministry of reconciliation that you've received, and you, you bear that message. You, you become that message. Let people see Jesus in you and through you. That maybe even, I don't know, this, I, don't, I don't know, I'm not, I just wonder you know, can, can you not be an ambassador and still be a disciple? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's how it was all planned to be, at least. I think his plan was recognize who you are. 
and let my grace flow through you. Uh, Romans, the 10th chapter, real quick. Um, I'm going to just read it off the screen. I love this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Boom. Paul talking to Rome now. Big old huge city to this little church. And they're going like, how do we, how do we deal with this church, with this city? This, this huge city. And he just says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Really? I mean, I, I hear that and it, it rocks my world because everyone? Really Everyone? Everyone, red and yellow, black and white, call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Even 49er fans, call on the name of the Lord. Worse than that, Seahawk fans even, could call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Republicans, Democrats, call on the name of the Lord. Straight, gay, call on the name of the Lord. Immigrants, socialists, Communists, capitalists, people you can't stand to be around, people you would never associate with, people you hate, people you would push aside, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How do we reach Rome? Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How big's your everyone? Our everyone's getting more narrow and narrow and narrow. People that look like me, dress like me, think like me, vote like me, act like me, drive the same kind of car like me, live in the same zip code like me, that's my everyone. That's my, if they come to me, then maybe, if I have to, I'll be an ambassador, but they got to find their own way. And Paul says this, well, if everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved, let me just tell you this, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? How will they believe if they never hear? How will they hear if no one ever says anything to them? How, who's ever going to say anything to them unless you're sent? I think Paul would say up here, if, you, if he's here today, if you know Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus and you've your old is past and your, your new creature, you're sent. You're sent. How do, how do, I, how do I do with this? Here, here's what I know about you. You're busy. You're going, hey, good message. I feel a little bit guilty anyway. Good luck with that. I know that. I mean, you got to raise kids. You've you got job stuff and travel. I mean, you, you've got a list of things. And you're going, man. Hope he doesn't have his dad back. <laughs> That's enough of that. I know that. Let me, give you, let me kind of give you just an easy little thing to kind of slide into. Andy Stanley, pastor in Atlanta, threw this out a long time ago. Um, he's been under controversy lately, but I, I love this. I'll, I'll tell you, I love this about him and his church. He says, here's how you be an ambassador. You, you invest and you invite. You invest and you invite. You're representing Jesus. You invest in people and relationships and you invite them either into the message of reconciliation or to church to hear about the message of reconciliation. You invest in them. Young Life used to have a saying, I don't know if they still do or not, you, you win the right 
to share Christ with people. You, you build up that relationship. But then now lately, Stanley's coming with this thing, he just blows me away. He goes, enough of that. What about the strangers in life? I go, ooh, okay, this is going to get a little uncomfortable. He just, everywhere you go, look for three things. He calls them the three knots. Not knotheads, but knots. The three knots. They're not in church. Um, they're, things are not going well, and they're not prepared. If you hear in a conversation, they're not in church, things are not going well, they're not prepared, you simply say, hey, why don't you come to church with us? I'm not really a church person. I don't go to church. Hey, why don't you come try our church and throw this on it? Come sit with me. Just come sit with me. Uh, things aren't going so well. Our marriage is kind of on the rocks. Our family's not doing well. Got a teenager now. This is not going. Hey, why don't you come to church with us? In fact, sit with us. Sit with me. Ah, uh, I'm prepared for this. Just moved to Phoenix. Moved from the Midwest. All this change. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't prepared for all this. Just had a new baby. Everything was great in the hospital. Now we had to bring the baby home. I was just not prepared for this. Hey, why don't you come to church? And then he throws this on with any of that, you just say this. Life's complicated. But you want it to work. We just want to help. Why don't you come to church? Simple thing like that. Hey, life's complicated. Just had a baby out. Having marriage problems, it, it's complicated. But you want it to work. We all want it to work. We just want to help. Why don't you come to church? Come sit with me. And as you start that, you start to recognize that you can be an ambassador to anybody, to everybody. Here's what I know about you as a new church. If it ever stops where you become so ingrained and ingrown that all this church is about you, you lost it. Every church does. I can take you to dozens of churches that have become so ingrown that all they care is about themselves. Us four, no more. We got what we want. We got what it takes. And, that, and when that happens, it's over. It's done. You can still meet all you want, but the impact, the light, the salt loses its savor. Your value to this church can be many-fold. But I'm going to tell you that one of the supreme values. It's not just in you being here, but every week you're here, that's a great value. It's not just in you serving, even though I'm sure they would love to have more people serve in children's ministries and, and whatever. It's not even in the check you write, even though I'm sure Jared will never agree to that, but it's not even in the check you write. Your ultimate value is being an ambassador for Jesus in this city. Everybody benefits from you being an ambassador for Jesus. The church benefits. Your neighborhood benefits. The city benefits. The world will benefit. Because everyone needs the Lord. And Andy Stanley asked of his church, does that mean everybody would be better coming to our church? And he says, well, yeah, maybe. Because can you think of one thing that the message of reconciliation doesn't help out with. So those three things, represent, relationships, reconciliation. Represent, 
Live Christ. Live like him. Model him. Relationships, love like Jesus. Build a relationship through the love of Jesus. Ministry of reconciliation, somewhere along the line, you got to talk. You can't just show. Somewhere along the line, you got to talk. And it could be as easy as invest and invite. Hey, you don't go to church? Life's complicated. You want to do it right? We want to help. Why don't you come? Come sit with me. We'll see you next week. Amen? Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this church. I, I thank you for the calling on our life. I thank you that you, you entrusted us not only to, to make us brand new, but you entrusted us to be part of your work, co-workers with you. I pray that, that you would keep our ears and eyes open this next week for the knots, that we might be able to step up and be an ambassador to you, for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take... Lord's Supper, communion today, there's, there's two different stations. You talk about a logo. There's not a better logo that reflects the love and the grace of Jesus Christ than the bread and the cup. The bread, Jesus, broken for you. The cup, his blood poured out that he might reconcile you unto him. If you're brand new today, I, I, this is open for anyone. You don't have to be a member here. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus, this might be the very first step that you take. That you, you say, Lord, reconcile me today. I'm, I'm compelled by the logo. I'm compelled that you would love me so much to die on the cross. I'm compelled that you poured your blood out on the cross for me. And as I receive this bread and this cup, I receive you. So as we sing, feel free to get up and to, to help yourself. It may... Uh, May you know the reconciliation ministry this morning of Jesus.